If you want legendary service, if you, you want sweeter discounts, shop Save by bundling auto and home with insurance. Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. An alien object of unbelievable destructive power is less than three days away from this planet. The only starship in interception range is the Enterprise. Ready or not, she launches it to a power. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a new episode of the All Things Dave podcast. I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave, and here we are, October 1st, the beginning of Sci-Fi Month. And what better way to start off this month than with one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time? And joining me to this episode, welcome back to the show, Evan. Hello, Dave. What's up, Evan? <clears throat> Nothing much. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great because you know what? I took some personal time off work. I needed a day off, and uh, I thought the best way to start that day would be talking to you about this 1982 classic. Sounds good. Awesome. And now, for those who are joining us for the very first time, I'm Phantom Dark Dave. I love all kinds of things, but when it comes down to it, my main three are horror, science fiction, and anything classic. So when you can jumble those together in any shape, form, or fashion, especially classic sci-fi, man, it really gets my attention. And it was very easy for me to bring Evan on this episode because he did a Who is Evan episode towards the beginning of the show where he expressed just how much he loves science fiction. And uh, come to find out, he also really loves this movie. So Evan, let's kickstart some things off and just tell me, what is it about Tron that you love so much? Um, well, I remember, here we go. Here we go. Let's go. I love this. Is my Let favorite me tell part. you a story. <laughs> uh, I remember back in, it would have been, uh, 1982. I was in junior high and, uh, my mom was getting her master's degree at the U of M in Missoula and she enrolled me in a computer course there. Kind of like a, just a beginner, you know, just a computer course. And I think it was like two weeks. <clears throat> and so... I don't remember if it happened after I saw Tron or before I saw Tron, but um, the computers were uh, Radio Shack TRS 80s or Tandys TRS 80s and Apple II E's. Yeah, Apple II E's, I think, or maybe just Apple II's. I don't remember. And everyone, and they were all mostly kids my age, maybe a little bit older, 
<clears throat> and uh, everyone gravitated to the apples. Everybody wanted to, you know, to use the apples. Whereas I loved those old trash eighties because okay. they were the, you know, the one unit where, you know, the keyboard, the monitor, the disc drives is all in one, I don't know, cabinet or whatever you call it. And I just thought it was just the coolest. I thought they were just the coolest thing. And my, our, my homeroom teacher, uh, was the math teacher and he had gotten one in the classroom. It was the only computer in school was a TRS 80. And I made sure that I sat, he had it sitting right next. I was like in the, in the top right corner of the classroom because I wanted to sit right next to the computer. And all I did was just covet that thing (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Every time I was in there, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, along comes Tron and I just thought it was the most awesome, even though I didn't really understand computers all that much, you know, it made me wonder, is this, could this be the way it is? I, we don't know, you know. Is there a real world inside of computers? Right. You know, like Micronauts or something, you know, I mean, a whole <laughs> nother dimension or you know something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I had, uh, the Tron action figures. Well, all I had was, was Tron and Sark okay. and they were made of kind of like this translucent plastic, um, and they had their little discs and uh, I'm not sure how many different characters they had. They probably had Clue and, and yeah. Ram, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, I was obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with the movie. Did you have a Tron lunchbox? I didn't. <clears throat> I don't know if there was one. Was there? I, I don't know. know. I've never even I'm going to have to bothered. jump on eBay and find out. I know. <laughs> and let me ask yeah, you, did remember. you see this in theater? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Another one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love to hear about those yeah. experiences, man. So, what was it like seeing it on the big screen? Um, I mean, just just awesome. The the that music and and yeah, it was amazing. And then the video game, of course. You know, we had a little arcade that popped up in our town. I grew up in a really small town. I mean, tiny. And we had a little arcade that popped up, and uh, I was on that Tron machine. I remember. I rode my bike to school one day. It was like five miles. And um, after school, went to the to the video arcade. And all of a sudden, I feel this bam, bam, this tapping on my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's my mom. Oh. Yeah. And she says, get your ass outside. So I went outside. She grabs my bike, throws in the back of the pickup, says, you're walking. Oh. And so... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I ended up having to walk home. It took me like two hours. <laughs> that was hardcore, man. Yeah, just just knowing you're awaiting punishment at home too. Like Right. Yeah. And uh but that, that Tron machine, I mean I just you know, then they would have it at the fair, you know, they had to have an arcade tent and I'd always play. Yeah, I was always playing that game. Man, I've never it. seen it. I Oh, and, really? Dude, and that's another thing about this movie that I love, too. I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> you saw this in theater. You've loved it for 40 years. I saw mm-hmm. this movie for the first time this year. Yeah. I've always been aware of Tron, but I didn't know enough about it that made me want to watch it, right? Mm-hmm. And... um it was really starting the podcast and really falling in love with Star Trek and Stargate and all these things and really being brought into the sci-fi realm. 
And then I start watching things like 2001 Space Odyssey and all kinds of stuff and just really like getting that hunger for science fiction in general. And then, of course, you introduced me to some of the greatest movies, like Andromeda Strain and uh, Silent Running and stuff like that. And it it sealed my soul. I was just like, oh, I need this. This is a part of me now. I love science fiction. And um, one thing that I know will make you happy is I've started reading science fiction. And so I know nice. that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I showed you a little bit of my books and stuff. I am halfway through a Star Trek book right now. I look to finish it by next week. And uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a, a lot of people will say they watch movies because it's an escape. But that goes to a whole nother level when you go with like science fiction and fantasy. I mean, because it's an it, it's an escape from the world. It's an escape from the universe. Like it is this. It's a place with no end, and that's what makes it mm -hmm. so great. And I think that's what's really fantastic about Tron is there's fantastic characters, but there is a fantastic world that you get to be a part of. And I also now look at computers a little different. I've never taken a computer course, but I felt a little smarter after watching this movie because I was like, <laughs> I know what a computer program is. <laughs> and there's something yeah. really cool about saying master control program. But mm -hmm. nonetheless, um, you mentioned the arcade, man. I think something that stood out to me immediately in this was how cool did this arcade look? Just everybody wants to go to Flynn's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Hey, so cool, and he that, li he lived right above it in that little oh, apartment right above that. I oh, mean, seriously, come on. I mean, they <laughs> made jokes about it at first, and I'm just like, are you jealous? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome, man. And I, it's been quite a while since I've been to an arcade. How about you? Oh, do they even have? I mean, you, you see arcades, and they're just they don't even have video games. They're just like like uh, skee ball and. It, they don't have – I would love to – we have a comic book store that has some pinball machines, okay. but it doesn't have any any arcade cabinets in it. But And I, I understand it's you know getting parts and keeping them going and all that. That's, that's pretty tough. So they have a few places out there now, a lot of like free play where you, you pay one fee to get in and you everything's mm. on free play. And that is really oh. cool. And yeah. these places now are kind of bringing it back. Like I know you're really? in a small town, but I would imagine that whatever like the bigger town is around there might have something like this. But oh. there's one here that's literally ten minutes down the road or whatnot. You pay to get in, and I've told a couple of stories before. I don't think there's a Tron game though. Now I'm gonna look for it, uh, but I haven't been there in at least four years or so. But man. It's a time capsule piece, and I think all those memories will come flushing back to you if you walk into one of these places because you go in. And it's such a cool environment. Like, you're just reminded that people can have a good time under one roof. They got music playing. It's not obscene. It's not loud. You know, you can grab a slice of pizza, grab a Coke, whatever you want to do, and just play these arcade machines that, even though they say 25 cents on there, you don't have to put a quarter in. But, man, wow. it's such a good time. Yeah. It, I mean, just the sounds oh. of all of those games going. And, yes. you know, it's dark and... And the smell, you can smell the electronics, yes. you know, it's, it's hot and, yeah. It reminds me of another movie that I really love, uh, War Games, where yeah. in the beginning, Matthew Broderick's in there playing Galaga. I'm like, oh, what a yep. good time. <clears throat> See, yeah. but Evan, he, he actually went to school, though. Right. He played before school, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, all right, man, let's get into it. Let's talk about Tron. And so we agreed to just do a general chat about this. Deep down, I always want to do a run-through, but the amount of work it takes, I might save that for the future. There might be a run-through you guys might see, but 
Evan, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, man. Um, I told you i just seen this movie for the first time this year. I've watched it three times um, this week, and I am infatuated with this movie. I absolutely love it, and there is a large possibility that it has made its way into my top five favorite sci-fi films of all time. Oh, wow. It nice. has made such an impact on me, and I just I really want to be in this world right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. So we got our main character, Kevin Flynn, who he's a former programmer. We realized right away that this is the cool guy, man. We like this guy. He's really awesome, but he's really smart, and he no longer works for a company um, that's called Incom, where they produce games. You know, they, they manufacture software, right? Mm-hmm. And the movie opens up with him showing us just how smart he is because he's trying to break into their computer uh, basically to find evidence that uh, he was fired because the boss stole his work. And so we get introduced right away that he's like the victim of this whole thing, but he's a character we can latch on to because, man, he's funny, he's charming, and damn, is he smart. And you mentioned earlier you talked about Clue, and Mm. Clue is a – codified likeness utility it's a program that he made it's like a hacking program um where it goes inside this system and it tries to find the evidence he's looking for and this all happens in the beginning so i remember the first time i was watching this i was like this is heavy like this is a lot and it bounces around in between like a real world and then a computer generated world and this is one of the first movies that really introduced the idea of mixing animation in real life like it I know Daft Punk got real popular when the sequel came out. Hey, mm-hmm. Newsflash, I haven't seen the sequel. I have purposely avoided it because I don't watch a sequel before the original. Since I just mm-hmm. saw the original, I wanted to keep it where this is all, the only story I knew. So I don't know where it goes from here, but I'm really excited to see. And we'll probably have to cover that in the future. And, yeah, uh, you need to see it. It, it I, I loved it. You, oh, that's <clears throat> good. It. That's so good. That makes me look forward yeah. to it. And I know they have a cartoon TV mm-hmm. show that basically – connects the story in between the two it happens right. like between the two movies and i'm like i'm yeah. ready like sign me up like i'm about to jump on my light cycle and meet you at the arcade evan it's gonna be a good yeah. time yeah. but uh man we get introduced to all these characters and i was a little nervous at first because it's heavy and, and i'm like I, man i don't know if i'm gonna like this but they they did a really good job making this work um with the structure of the movie and allowing us to understand the characters and the storyline because it's actually pretty simple Right. Yeah. 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 They did a good job at bringing you right into the world right off the bat just for a little bit to kind of, you know. Yes. And then uh, and then pulling you back into the real world. And then, you know, and and I'm glad they did, too, because if we had stayed in and I'm going to say cyberspace too long, I I might have been I might have bailed out at one point. I may not have been Mm. like, "Eh, this is not for me, but. It, it's the stuff in the real world that really sucked me in that allowed me to give the cyberspace stuff a try. And then once I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here, it got really exciting. And uh, let's talk about some of the characters. Like we mentioned, we have Jeff Bridges, who plays Kevin Flynn. He's the cool dude. <laughs> Perfect casting. I read that you know they had a couple of different people in mind. And he was like the only guy that said yes and was excited about it. And then after watching the movie, I'm like, <laughs> he is Flynn. Like nobody else could have done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think they took kind of a ch- – I mean, and the, the special effects and everything were absolutely groundbreaking. They were. You know. And there was a I, lot of companies that 
didn't even want anything to do with this movie that when they pitched their ideas about combining this and that and you know we're going to wear suits and cuz they these characters inside the movie they're in these white suits with white helmets and then literally on set they took a sharpie and they had to draw the designs mm-hmm. and, and change it with digital lighting because at this point this is one of the first movies to ever do like the CGI thing and it's funny too because you've heard me say I don't like CGI because mm-hmm. what CGI does when people take the cheap route, it looks horrible. But man, when they invest time, money, and talent into a film and they do it right, dude, you can watch this movie on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, Disney Plus. It these graphics still hold up today. Yeah, and you know a lot of that stuff was just hand drawn, right? You know, it wasn't even really CGI. It, you know, um, yeah, it, and and. You know, this movie could have <clears throat> completely bombed. I don't know, you know, back then, I don't know if it did or whatever, and it, you know, gained a cult following or whatever. But, um, I mean, it could have it could have been an absolute disaster trying to make this thing and it not working. You know what I mean? Well, it's funny you say that, too, <clears throat> because it did okay, but they considered it a bomb, which is really Mm. unfortunate because I think, obviously, at the time period, something that has, like, a $17 million budget back in 1982 was pretty unheard of, especially when you think about, you know, a family film or whatnot. And it did good. It brought in, like, $50 so it totally recouped budget. But I guess when you factor in marketing and stuff, it it didn't make the kind of money that Disney at the time was used to. Mm -hmm. And so I think combining the budget and and what it because i've watched some documentaries on it it was a trying process obviously right it was one of those things where it's like oh yeah we're not doing that again and i think between tron and another movie that i hope to cover with you in the future called the black hole yes (laughs) um they did those pretty close together after that it took disney like almost a decade before they ventured into doing something live action like that again they stuck mostly to those cartoon movies yeah, hmm. but yeah, and, and, but like you said, you mentioned something. You said cult following. I think when this thing launched on VHS, it got that cult following because right. home media, as we know, was a glorious thing. Like I didn't get to see it in theater, man. And oddly enough, this year is the forty-year anniversary, and uh, I probably missed it. I, I looked and I couldn't find it playing, so there's a chance it probably did. But I get excited to know that. Maybe in 10 years I can catch it on a 50-year and get that theater experience because when they go into cyberspace, like that's a world to to see on the big screen. I could only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's really cool about this movie is – and these characters play more than one role and not at an annoying degree, but you have the real world where you have Kevin and you have Alan and you have Laura. But then you go into cyberspace and now you have characters like – Kevin is still Kevin, right? But mm-hmm. everybody thinks that. So, I guess we should explain this a little more in detail. Okay, hang with us here. So, long story short, Kevin's the guy who was done wrong. His goal is just to prove that his work was stolen, and that's it. You know what I mean? You have this one guy named Dillinger, who he's the executive CEO of this company, or senior exec, excuse me. <laughs> he got a promotion. <laughs> And he only got that promotion because he stole five games. It's like watching Grandma's Boy in that movie where you have somebody who tried to steal someone else's video game and get the credit. Same thing's happening here. Dillinger is this older executive guy who's not a very good game programmer, uh, but then he steals all of Flynn's work, passes it off on his own, becomes the head honcho. Cool. 
Dillinger did create something. Well, he stole it. So there's another character named Dr. Gibbs who created this. It's like a chess program. And Dillinger took it and modified it and made it this master control program, which pretty much is like something that Dillinger runs to ensure that he never gets caught, that he had stole all those programs. It, that's all it is. It's like this little um, evil system now. It's a corrupt mm-hmm. system, right? Well, we have another character named Alan who creates a program called Tron, which it's really a security program. It's just supposed to self-monitor communications between master control program, which is evil, and the real world, and that's a red flag. That immediately, like the master control program has an identity of its own, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. yo, we can't have this program. Uh, We need to get rid of it. We need to shut down this program. And of course, you know, Alan, he created this Tron program, and it's going to be like, his thing, right? This is going to be what he's known for. And when it's when I hear Tron, I think of things like uh, all these uh, virus protection systems. It sounds like one, and that's essentially what it is. The master control program is pretty much like a virus, okay? Well, what happens is they decide to break into income and use the Tron program to catch um, Dillinger in all the bad things he's done. Well, the master control program has a mind of its own, and Laura, who is Flynn's old flame, right? She's still really cool. We, we got a trio here, three friends, and Laura works with Dr. Gibbs, and they – Dr. Gibbs, remember, he's got – originally created the master control thing that was used for a chess program. They, Dr. Gibbs is responsible for creating this laser, and it's a really kick-ass laser, very – uh, honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes coming here. I'm pretty sure they pulled from this. But what happens when Master Control Program uses this laser to zap Flynn, digitize him, and transport him into cyberspace? So now right. Flynn's, like, gone missing. So the hell with the real world. We're going to spend some time in cyberspace. And Evan, now all these characters are playing cyberspace characters. And it's really cool because they're playing the software programs they created. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much... It, yeah. It's almost like a Wizard of Oz thing, you know? You're in the real world of Dorothy, and you see the farmhands, and then you go into Oz, and they're all playing like the Scarecrow and everything. Right. It's just like, okay, I can totally jive with this. Yeah. And the look is so cool, man, because it's not black and white. It, it's it's in color, but everybody's got like a light blue tone pre-Avatar. Right. They got these cyber suits on that are really cool because... Even though we know that they're hand-drawn and everything, there's, like, lights that consistently go around. Like, nobody has the exact same design at the exact same moment every time. Right. You can see, like, the energy flowing through them. And it's really cool because you start to, to buy in and believe into this world that's happening. And, Evan, I was getting some vibes of, like... um Star Trek original series. Uh, remember that episode where they go to the one planet and they're forced to play, like, the Gladiator games? Mm-hmm. or die that's kind of what happens here they're put in these games to play until they die knowing that the only reason they're there is because they're like either failed programs or they are maybe too good programs like like the master control feels threatened and so they're going to be put into these games to play to the death the whole gig is everybody that's a contestant here is a failed program like we meet uh roy kleinberg's um Who's played by Dan Shore? We know him because he's he's what, Rom Ram Rom Ram uh, Ram yeah, yep. and um, like Dodge Ram, and he used to be an insurance <laughs> program 
I'm like, what? But now he's an ally to Tron and Flynn. Uh, what did you think of Ram's character? Oh, Ram was awesome. Yeah, he <clears throat> you could tell he'd been there for a while, you know, and he's just kind of going through the motions and um uh yeah, he was he was a really good character. He it, is. It it's like up, yeah. his purpose Evan was to show Flynn the ropes. Right. That's what I got from it. He yep. he was basically he was explaining to us as an audience what was going on because this is our first time seeing this cyber world, but he's guiding Flynn through it. And of course, when they meet Flynn, they just think he's just another programmer, but in fact, since he's the creator, he's a user. And exactly. It took me a few minutes to, for that to click, but I think of like when I'm on my computer and you're typing stuff in and you have like the user semicolon forward slash, I'm like, oh, user, I get it. He's the, com- <laughs> he's me. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you and I yeah. were transferred into a computer program, this is what it would be like. And we're playing with these other programs. And so we get to briefly meet a guy named Crom. And Crom becomes the first person that Flynn has to play against. And Crom's really funny because we immediately find out that he's he's like, I'm a compound interest program. Like, I'm not made to play games. And like, well, you look like an athlete to me. And I'm like, they are lying. Yeah. <laughs> this well, guy. You, know who, you know who that was? That was Peter Jurassic. I didn't know until researching Evan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that this order has worked out so well because – how are so many Tron people involved in Babylon 5? Right, now I yeah. have the right motivation to watch Babylon 5. That's all you had to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Peter Jurassic, Bruce Boxleitner. And, and his character in Babylon 5, Londo, is... Oh, yep. Oh. He's got the hair you dream of, right? <laughs> and he's such a good character. So bad, so good. That's how you know they play their role right, man. But you mentioned Bruce Broxleitner. So Bruce was Alan, the guy that created Tron. But what's really cool in cyberspace is he plays Tron. And Tron is so cool, man. He's that security program that he's like the ultimate athlete in here that we know is going to win. It's either going to be him or Flynn. But if they work together, they're going to defeat the master control program. So let's talk about one of the first games they play, man. It's really cool. I forgot the name of it. I know I wrote it down. But essentially... Flynn and Crom are going to go against each other, and they are separated, and they're standing on these circular platforms, and they're essentially playing Pong, Evan. I mean, yeah, that's... They, they're using like Highlai, um, I don't know, uh, gloves, gauntlets, uh-huh. you know, for that game Highlai, and um, uh, yeah. So what happens is you have to throw this light ball, right? This little disc thing, and it has to bounce off the ceiling and go to the opponent's circle they're standing in. And it's almost like you're looking down at a bullseye, right? Where you have like an outer ring, inner ring, and it keeps getting smaller mm-hmm. to your center point. When that beam of light, that ball hits down, like the idea is for you to catch it. You don't want it to hit the ground. You want to be able to throw it back and forth like Pong. You're bouncing it off something. But if you miss it and it hits one of the rings you're standing on, that ring evaporates. It goes away. And so you only have like five layers where you're safe. And eventually when that ball hits, one goes away. And so now you're either you're jumping right from ring to ring, from layer to layer. And the idea is you're going to fall and you lose. And what happens when you lose, Evan? You derez. You die. Right. You die you know, the there was a You die for real. There was, and I think it came out on in television first, and I think I think it was an arcade cabinet as well, an arcade game, um, and it was called Discs of Tron. Oh, and where your character, um, uh, 
and I remember it wasn't just one um, set of concentric rings. It, it, you know, each stage would have like one or maybe two or maybe three, and then you had an opponent across from you, and you, but you weren't you weren't flinging this ball up to the ceiling and having it bounce like pong. You were actually throwing your disc. And, and and you could throw your disc and bounce it off the walls, and you were trying to hit. You weren't trying to derez their rings. You were trying to hit the opponent. Okay. And um, yeah, I remember it was on in television. It was, I swear, I remember playing that in a, in an arc in the arcade as well. But yeah, discs of Tron. That's cool. I'm gonna look that up. I bet there's some YouTube videos of it. Yeah. Somebody out oh, there yeah. still has it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, and that's another thing about this movie. It's so well regarded, man. You can mention Tron, and somebody in your group's gonna look at you and be ready to talk about it, just like we are. Yeah. In fact, I think there was a an Xbox 360 port of it, if I remember right. Kind of that a you know, vintage sense. retro yeah. type of thing. There's a number of Tron games out there that I that were that were on Xbox. There was Tron 2.0, which was I think it was first slated to be a new movie. And then that fell through, so they ended up making turning it into a video game, and it had to deal. It dealt with, with uh, Alan's son, and oh. um, I think it ended up sort of, kind of, sort of morphing into Tron Legacy, okay. kind of. But anyway, sorry. That's okay. No, I love it, man. I got you on here for the the Tron knowledge that you bring <laughs> based on your experiences, and um, man, okay. So they play this game, and Flynn's the kind of person that. He wants to win, but not by killing the other player. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to talk about the villain of this film. So we mentioned Dillinger, right? He's the guy who stole everything. He's the senior executive vice president of Incom, former co-worker of Flynn, yada, yada, yada. But in cyberspace, he plays Sark. And you mentioned Sark earlier. Uh, Sark and Flynn were the two toys you had of the Tron mm-hmm. characters, which is cool. But Sark, man, is evil, but he's not as evil as Master Control Program, but he serves as, like, second command. He's, like, the right hand. He does the dirty work. And right. so he's the best player, but only because he – he I don't want to say he gets the power by, but he gets, like, Master Control's energy, right? And so he's mm-hmm. fierce. And in the beginning of the movie, when we meet Sark for the first time, we find out Sark is, like, evil and uh, – forgot some of the words they use, but they are basically like, you're getting more and more evil as time goes on. You know, we mm-hmm. find out that Sark is bad booty. And eventually we know one of our characters is going to have to face Sark to win the whole thing. But, man, anytime we see Sark involved with something, Sark destroys the other player – and it's at this point where we find that out because Sark is yelling at Flynn and he's like, kill him, finish him. And Flynn's like, no, I won't. And so what does Sark do? Sark forces his hand and kills Crom, allows Crom to fall and de to his death. And Flynn looks at him like, I can't believe you did it. And Sark is ready to push that button and kill Flynn. But Master Control's like, no, no, I want him to die playing the game. Right. Which is interesting because Sark could have finished it but it's almost like Master Control goes by some rules of his own that he, he sets in stone and he's not going to break them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Evan, I got real excited because I didn't know much about Tron, but this next scene is what I knew Tron from, and it was the light cycles. Yeah. So tell me about this sequence we see, man. Let's talk about the light cycle race. Um, well, they just uh, that that whole sequence is it's just so awesome, you, you know, where the three, you know, Flynn... Um, um, Tron, uh, tr- yeah, Flynn, and Tron, Ram. and then Ram yeah. are just standing there, and all of a sudden those handlebars res up, and then they 
go down and the light cycles res up around them. I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> I wanted, um, uh, oh, they were the Honda. What were those? What were they called? The motorcycles. They were the, you know, crotch rockets. Right, um, right, right, right. That's how I know them. And I remember thinking, and you know, and I begged my parents for me to get one, which was would have been stupid. Um, <laughs> but I remember thinking, you know, by the time I get old enough for a, a motorcycle, they're going to have light cycles. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that whole sequence is, is just, it's the, it's the one thing that kind of, yeah, everybody knows yes. Tron for is, is the light cycles. It's not too old to get a light cycle, man. You can convert anything, get a regular bicycle and put some decals on that thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't go 80 miles an hour, but dude, what's really cool is this really highlights the senses because we get that backdrop and when they're going they have light streams it reminded me of playing like snake or something on right. your phone where the idea is you have these these trails behind you that are the color of your bike and you want the other player the opposing player to crash into that and derez and die and we have two groups of three right we have our main three we just mentioned and then we have the other three which are all on the same team and they these three guys working together do so good. Like they're they're talking to each other, they can hear each other. It's almost like a Star Wars battle where they're flying and they're you know uh, I'm gonna ruin this because I'm not the Star Wars guy, but I'm, I'm X wings I think, uh-huh. and they're able to talk. Did I get it right? Okay, and they're able to talk to each other. But that's what you get. It's like hey, follow me. Let's go through here. And they trap the computers and, and destroy them. And they essentially they bust out of the game, like the arena. And they start cruising through cyberspace. And it's the coolest looking scene because we've all seen movies do this now. But in 1982, this had to have been one of the big ones to do it where this is what cyberspace looks like. And you see all the like little digital insides of computers. I know like Wreck-It Ralph did it in some modern Disney stuff. And I'm sure there's a handful of other um, sci-fi horror movies that did this too. But man, just seeing what the inside of this cyberspace world looks like and seeing... Like all these stationary plots that are little computer boards or whatnot, but they're like cruising on light cycles through here, like you're driving through New York City or something. It looks right. so cool. It's yeah, it's like they're and it was interesting that you know on the game grid, you know, any, anytime a light cycle turns, it's all ninety degree angles, right? You know, and but as soon as they, you know, because they trap that one guy and he smashed into the wall. And then, the, and then his his, uh, his light trail went down, and then that's that hole in the wall is how they are. But as soon as they get off the game grid, they're just kind of like regular motorcycles. They're able to kind of just turn and and um, yeah. And then you know yeah, traveling the 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 circuit the circuitry paths or you know yeah, I don't know what like those are called road, on, a, you know? on a circuit yeah. board. But um, yeah, I was going to show you something real quick. Yeah, um, I have <laughs> these are from Tron Legacy, but. I have oh. a light cycle from this is this was from a collector's edition of Tron Legacy. Very cool. Light cycle. Wait till you see the light cycles in Tron Legacy. Oh, Holy crap! It's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm I have excited. a bunch of toys too, somewhere. Okay. Anyway. Do you still have the? Don't tell me you still have Flynn and Sark from. Your I childhood. don't. Okay. I don't. All that stuff <clears throat> from when I was a kid is all long gone, and yeah. Yeah, hey, it's out there though. You know, right? It's out there somewhere. If you want hopefully. it bad enough, you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that in a dangerous way. <laughs> yeah, I want mine back. You know? Well, yeah. Uh, now you're dreaming, bro. <laughs> right now, I know. I know. <laughs> you're gonna have to go in cyberspace and find it yourself. Yeah. But man, 
we also meet uh they're called tanks right yeah just the tanks that the tanks that, that mm-hmm. essentially sark is running he's got his evil henchmen and they're trying to destroy the the guys on the light cycles and they shoot there's a scene where tron's like in the lead and he's like crossing this bridge or whatnot and they shoot and destroy the bridge and then they shoot and they hit both um flynn and ram and they kind of go flying off and dude it looks so cool like these digital Mm -hmm. cubes i swear i i'm gonna push for people to watch it on disney plus if they can because the hd on this was very very mind-blowing like this movie looks like it was made today i could not believe how good this looked yeah but anyway what happens is um Ram's injured, and so Flynn's got to kind of drag him off, and they find a little safe spot where um, the tanks cannot get to them, and Flynn's, like, tinkering around, and we don't know where he's at. There's just a lot of rubble and debris, but we notice when he starts to touch things, things light up like your webcam, man. It's really weird, but it's, it's the signal coming in. It's the energy. Like, because Flynn is not a program and he's a user, he has a unique ability which kind of, like, restores and brings things back to life. It's mm-hmm. really, really cool. And Ram sees that, man. He's laying down, and he's like – he sees him touch stuff, and he's like, what, what was that? You, um, you shouldn't be able to do that, man. Like, what's going on? And what happens is the place where they're hiding is a, it's like a damaged recognizer, right? That's what those things mm-hmm. are called. Yeah. Where they, Evan, they almost look like those things in Galaga, which come down to pick you up. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like upside down mm-hmm. horseshoes with personalities and uh, they're, dude, I want to fly a recognizer so bad. <laughs> it kills me, but it's so cool because they're hiding in this damaged recognizer and as he touches it, it like starts to rebuild itself. Right. Well, which makes sense. He's a user, so he's able to to program and write code and all that. And so I, right. I, you know, you figure since you know because they the the programs consider users as you know like gods. They're right. they're their creator, you know, and uh, and so it it kind of makes sense that Flynn would be able to interact with these things and and basically rewrite their code and 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 fix you resurrect know, fix them. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, Ram sees this for the first time. He's the first one to see this, but Ram's dying, dude. He's derezzing. And this yeah. sucks so bad because yeah. I really liked Ram. Something about Dan Shore, the actor, gave this character some, like, quirkiness, but he's that character who. In a group of friends, he's always the first one to accept you because he's a little weird himself, but he's just cool enough mm-hmm. to fit, and he brings you in. That's the kind of character that Ram stood out to me, and I absolutely loved him. And the fact that we lose him right here was so heartbreaking yeah. because you know we, we have our three guys, and now we just lost one. Yeah. And uh, it, it's sad. It sucks. But at the same time, it is what it is, and Flynn's going to move on because he's got a mission, and uh, you know – I think at this point, Tron thinks that they died, right? Because mm-hmm. I remember when the tanks are going, they're like, they have no life signs. They don't see anybody. And so the same could be said for them. They probably think Tron's dead. And so Flynn's right. just kind of like on his own at this point. And he, for the most part, rebuilds this recognizer. It's a little beat up, Evan. Like one of the pieces <laughs> is kind of hanging on for dear life and falls off. Yeah. So it's an unbalanced uh, recognizer, but it's hilarious. And dude, how cool does it look when they use the camera view? Like he's inside and you see the digital world outside. Oh, 
Right. Well, isn't that uh, that was the first time he interacted with Bit, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, Bit those. Well, obviously there's more than one, but you know they're just yes, no, and uh, what a cool little companion. Yeah, it's have, like you know. having your own R two D two, but that's also a three year old. Because like, why? Yes, right. Not like. <laughs> Quit asking me. And it's bit is so funny because it's this little bitty glowing ball of light, little globe thing, like a bubble. That's again, gives me some vibes of uh, some of the aliens they meet on original series Trek, but the conversations that are happening are so hilarious because Flynn knows what he's doing, but in the background bit is always giving his two cents. Mm -hmm. It's like, Nope, bad. Dumb. Don't do it. Nope. 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 Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> but it no, doesn't no. get annoying. It's really <laughs> funny. And Evan, it's we mentioned part of the um, recognizer has broke off, and so when he's flying, it's very unbalanced. Right? He's having a hard time keeping this thing straight. And this recognizer, it's traveling down the hall, and he's crashing, crashing left, crashing right, hitting everything. And this doesn't stand out to anybody. You would think somebody's like, what is wrong with that recognizer? But nobody says anything. And he flies in and ends up crashing and totaling this thing, but it kind of gets him right where he needs to be. Yeah. Well, and just looking at the controls, the control, you know, he's got that, like that center stick thing. And then the kind of, uh, steering yoke type of thing. And they're so, when you watch it, it's like, how could anyone control anything using these big blocky, you know, <laughs> I don't right. Know. No. And he mentions he's to him. He's like, Oh, this is like that old arcade style. Like, cool. I could do this, but right. yeah, that wouldn't fly today. <laughs> no. fly. Get it. Ah. Uh, so at some point we get to meet, uh, meet back up and, and Evan, this is where I start to get a little hazy in the movie because a lot goes down, but essentially they're kind of putting two to two together. They're like, okay, we have this renegade program. We don't know which one it is, but it's like getting a little too close for our comfort and is building a resistance or whatnot. And we eventually, we follow Tron for a little while instead of Flynn and Tron has um, I, I, am I right that Tron has a run-in with um, Cindy Morgan's character? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, what's her name? What's her Yori. name? Yori. It's Yori. Yori. Yes. Yeah, Yori. There was actually a deleted scene where it was kind of a little romantic scene between the two, and Tron has his helmet off. Oh. And his hair is like all spiky. Oh, cool. it's, it's all yeah. like Dragon Ball Z or something. It's pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually, um, I did see a photo of it mm. and I thought it looked really cool because the helmets they never bothered me they just looked like the suits you wear in Tron but I was right. like oh how cool would it have been to see that and then I found out like having to deal with the hair and the digitizing and all that they're like yeah right. that's going to be a problem <laughs> that yeah. takes a lot of time let's put helmets well, on well and I think if they would have had if they would have allowed them to have like you know just hair not wearing helmets it kind of would have taken away from the, the very Almost like robotic form that they are supposed to be, right? Yeah, because all this, you know, everything's so, you know, circuitry and and right. clean lines and all this, and all of a sudden there's hair. Yeah, you know, it, it was, just wouldn't wouldn't really make sense. For lack of better terms, it's almost like being surrounded by datas. You know what I mean? Right. You, you want to be reminded that they are robots in a sense. They're programs, right? They're not yeah. human. And Flynn is the only one, right? And right. so. But yeah, it's really cool because these two characters meet up, and then now we have 
a trio again, but it's our trio from the real world, although they, you know, they don't know that. And that's another thing that's really cool, too, is they're very self-aware. Like, uh, Tron's character, he knows his user is Alan. That's all he knows, because, you know, on the computer, it would say, you know, Alan's name. And But Flynn's smart. You know, he mentions Alan at some point, and they're like, how do you know that name? He's like, because I know that user. My user knows that user. I'm like, oh, you sly devil. You know yeah. what you mean. <laughs> but <laughs> it's really important, because we get these three together, and Yori is an input output program and she's an ally to Tron she knows Tron but of course Flynn when he finally meets up he recognizes Yuri as like Laura you know from the real world Mm -hmm. and so at some point it comes down to the idea that they need to go to the input output tower right like they have uh, Flynn has released so Evan can you fill me in talk to me a little bit about what the disc is uh, well, the disc is <clears throat> sorry. Uh, you need a monster. It, 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 well, I got coffee. <laughs> oh, that's some people's monster. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the disc is just kind of an interpretation of of a of a disc. You know, in the real world, it, it just it contains everything that this program has done. And um, it's, it can also be used as a weapon. It can also be used as a tool. It can also be used. Um, uh, th- this whole this whole scene where they go to the I.O. tower and uh, they meet Dr. Um, Dr. Gibbs. Uh, He's Gibbs, a, Gibbs is Dumont. Du- Dumont, yeah. They meet Dumont uh, because Tron has to. Uh, because Alan One is trying to get a hold of Tron. Right. And so they got to go to the IO tower and that this, this whole sequence of, you know, Tron taking his disc and raising it above his head in the, you know, the, 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 the Tron poster, that's kind of yes. what you see, you know, and, uh, and then the disc goes up and, oh, uh, yeah. Evan, I placed an order for that poster two days ago, just so you know. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm getting a Tron poster, and it's going to be framed and put up. Absolutely. Oh, cool. I used I now, to have one. I don't know whatever happened to it. But got it was in consideration, but I now deeply regret, spoiler for some of you guys, if you haven't, if you listen to my top five sci-fi posters, I'm now pissed that I didn't put Tron on there. <laughs> but the Dude, movie means more that, to me that, now. That top five is probably going to change. A, 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 a couple know. of your top fives are probably going to change. Julie tells me not to way. kick myself because every day you can have a new top five. Yep. But, man, you can only have the episode once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my top five sci-fi posters of 2023. <laughs> Just edit it. Edit it and repost it. <laughs> I, well, that would be all fine and dandy, but it would sure sound weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, this iconic scene is so cool. And, and Evan mentioned the I.O. Tower. That is the input-output. And you have Dumont, who's there, who, remember, he's Dr. Gibbs in the real world. He's a guardian program um, that was developed by Gibbs, right, because everybody plays their own program. But he, he just protects the, the tower junctions, like in the mainframe. He keeps things from passing in and passing out. And... Long story short, this is, like, bad. <laughs> Sark, his whole point is to, and for the master program, is to, like, eliminate communication because they control everything. Like, they don't want individuality. They don't want personalities to spread. They don't want each program to have the connection to the user. It's got to all pass through the uh, master control program because he says what stays and what goes because everything's a threat, and he wants to control everything. It's like a monopoly. Well, 
they succeed, bro. They, um, you know, he, he puts that disc up, gets the information, and he finds out what we need to know, like how to defeat and shut down master control program. And right. it's almost like everything gets passed into this disc, and it's like you need to put this disc in the center of the master control program mainframe. And right. once you do that, like everything will be cleared out. Like this security program, this Tron program will eliminate all these little codes that are, are keeping it uh, sectionalized. And at the end of the day, what we know is if they can succeed, this will reveal the kind of fraud that Dillinger is. Right. Yeah. I love that scene where, where uh, Sark shows up with his cruiser to, uh, to try to get into the, to the IO tower and he's, you know, send in the logic probe. And it's that kind of a battering ram yeah. sort of thing, and it just sits there, and these energy pulses are going. I love, yeah. I just, I thought that was super. The cool. sounds are cool too. Yeah. And another thing, uh, which we didn't mention earlier, that I'll touch base on briefly is there's a, a scene, and this is much earlier. It's a little out of sequence. I apologize, but dude, how cool was it? The fact that there's like some flowing water, but it glows, and it's right. energy. Right. It's electricity, basically. Right. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Because yeah. they're like, ah, exactly what I need. And then they get energized and they're good to go. Right. But, yeah, we know, man, when, when Flynn gets that energy, he's going to be able to do some stuff with that. Yeah. And one scene that's really cool is when Fl – because keep in mind, like this scene that's happening is just Tron and Yori. They're together accomplishing that. Flynn is still on his own. Like they think that Flynn's dead. Mm. And Flynn's walking around and – you know, he does the typical, like, he's sneaking in somewhere. He doesn't want to get caught, so he kind of hides around the corner. But when he gets his hands on one of the bad guys... Now, again, Flynn, we've seen the Tron suit. It's white and blue. And we see the blue. That's the energy. When he gets his hands on one of the, the bad guys, the guards or whatever, he absorbs. Like, that character derezzes, and now his suit becomes white and red. And now, right. Evan, like, this is the perfect disguise for him. Right. Yeah, yeah. But good guy's blue, bad guy's red. They That's make it pretty pretty simple. <laughs> Although you do have some kind of orangish yellow guys like Clue and stuff, but I wonder yep. if what the logic was behind behind that, you know. Probably just to make the certain things stand out, but also yeah. like yeah. kids are gonna watch, you know, blue and red are always been opposites of each other, right? So right. Yeah. it's the cops. Lightsabers. Man. <laughs> right <-saber>. Oh, <laughs> you went there. <laughs> yep. Where's the green? But uh, it's the monster. <laughs> but um Evan, what's really cool is so Tron and Yuri now have this destination. They need to get to uh, the Master Control Program, put this disc in there. And along the way, they're battling the, the bad guys like in the, in the white and red. And one of them gets kind of knocked off this little bridge area, and he's like hanging for dear life. And then it's Flynn, you know? And, and they don't recognize him at first because he's not wearing the blue and white. But right. he's like, oh, Flynn. And he's like, what does he say? Greetings, programmers, something like that. Yeah, greetings, programs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always says it in this quirky manner that it becomes like what Flynn says when he sees them. It's really funny. Mm. And so they're very excited to see him. He's excited to see them as well. So now they know them three are alive. This is whenever uh, – excuse me. This is whenever um, Tron's like, where's Ram? And Flynn's like, yeah, he, uh, he didn't make it. And so there's a few seconds mm. of just like, damn, you know. But, you know, Tron's like, all right, so be it. Let's go. And so they go off on this mission and – they get aboard this Evan. I think it's called a sailor. Is that what it's called? It looks yeah, like a solar, dragonfly. Solar yeah, solar sailor. Solar sailor, and it's cool because it's cruising this fine energy line, and it's heading straight for where the master control program is. So it's like right. a straight shot destination. It's like they're flying on this ship, 
and all is well until Sark comes in his giant... What is it called in Star Wars? That real big bad... Do you remember? Like where Vader's what, always what, like on Like a Star it? Destroyer? Is that what it, I think that's right, yeah. And it, it's like this, it's the biggest thing in cyberspace, and it comes through and just nails and destroys that solar sailor, man. Mm-hmm. And what happens? We're faced with the get who lived, who died. And when they get separated, they think one is, you know, if you're not with them, you're dead. Right. And there's another section where, because Dumont, who was the Guardian, didn't let Sark in or out or deal with the tower and he won't reveal the information that was on the disc, he gets captured, and he's taken to this, like, torture place mm-hmm. where they get pinned up against the wall, and they're getting, like, electrified, right? Something. Yeah. yeah it's, some it looks painful. Of... You get the idea that it's bad news. And right. eventually, that's where um, Flynn and Yori get taken to, because when that sailor gets hit, Tron is the one that gets separated this time instead of uh, Flynn. And so mm-hmm. Flynn and Yori are together. They're held captive with Dumont. Tron is still working his way towards the tower. He's still doing the mission because he has the disc. And this is when we see that you know, the torture on Dumont is is horrible, but Dumont's still alive for the time being. Everything is good, but Yori's down on her luck. And Flynn's like touching the wall, and the wall's like reacting to him. And right. I don't know if it was just everything that's happened up until this point, or if I'm forgetting that she gets tortured too, but correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point, Yori, like, her life, like, runs out, and he revives her. Right. Because I remember he, he caresses her, like, in his arms, like, someone's dying, and you would hold them, and mm. you see, like, her lights fade, and then come right back up with the fierceness, man, and she's like, right. how did you do that? And he's like, yeah, I'm a user. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know... That right there is, like, motive enough to be like, we have a chance. Like, this is something that, you know, people have come and gone. Programs have said they can do this. And it's like, but he's not a program. He's a user. Like, we have, like, a god with us on our side, Mm -hmm. like you said. And so they get through the wall, right? They go through, and we all meet up again. We find out Tron's not dead, but we have the the final face-off, which is really cool. And we knew this was going to happen from the beginning. It's Tron versus Sark. And, dude, how cool is it to see these two going at it man battling it out right yeah um yeah and then you know when uh when tron's disc ends up does his disc crash through sark's disc now i can't remember yeah yeah it's um, like they go at it a few times and and you get this idea that Sark's like more powerful, but in fact Tron is because Tron's disc shatters Sark's disc, and you're like, oh right. no! And then goes through his head. Yeah, through and the top of his head. We think that's it, right? Like we're right. like he wins. Sark falls to his knees, typical you know cowboy shootout, and, <laughs> and um, he falls face flat. And then we get the whole like master control programs. Like now I'm going to give you all of my power. And Mm -hmm. Sark not only rises to his feet again, but he grows in size (laughs) and he towers over Tron. Yeah. Yeah. Like huge, like 50 feet tall. Yeah. Like Rita Repulsa done through her thing to earth, make my monster grow. Uh, I know someone out there is going to get that reference. And, (laughs) but you know what? Tron doesn't back down. He kind of restands and he just starts throwing his disc. He's fighting, man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it is pretty funny when you know Sark is real big like that. How slow they have him, you know, just yeah, he's slow lumbering. Yeah, nineteen fifties monster man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And it, they needed to do something like that to really elevate, because Tron was, is very powerful, and then we got Flynn the user, so what matches Sark for this? And it's like, oh, it's like Super Sark at this point with right. uh, Master Control powers, and we find out, Evan, what really needs to happen. Tron is there. Everybody's excited. He's alive. You know, he just beat Sark, but now Sark's this mega monster. Flynn is there. Everything is great, but still, how are we going to get the disc in there? Because with the way that Sark is, he's kind of unbeatable, but that would be, you know, unbeatable if you're by yourself. You're with right. your friends. And so this is the craziest thing is Flynn tells Yori bye, and he's like, I know what I got to do. And Flynn runs and jumps into, like, the central mainframe and goes down this laser and hits and crashes into the bottom. And that that causes, like, a ruckus, right? A little Breakfast right. Club terminology there. And it, it, it provides a distraction, at least for the moment, to be like, what is just happening? And that allows Tron to see the gap where he can throw in the disc and right. input the information. And, um, dude, he does that. And these special effects are pretty wild. Mm-hmm. We we gotta say the we keep talking about the master control program and how it's like this entity that provides uh, Sark his power and it controls everything. It has also this animated, this amazingly animated 1982 face, dude. And right. you always see his reactions. It's like Zordon in Power Rangers, you know. He's just like, oh no, what's happening? And he kind of finds it. And you, I love when the bad guy's about to be defeated, and you can see they're like. I can't believe I failed. Like, you didn't have to say that. But (laughs) Sark is dying, and and the Master Control Program Man is essentially about to erupt and explode. And I guess de-res at this point is what the term is we're going to use because it's going to kill the virus is the best way I can put it. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, Flynn's gone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And we see the aftermath of all that was red now turns blue, basically letting us know that all these programs are free from restriction. Each one is shooting its own IO uh, tower, right? Yeah, well, because they had, yeah, because the MCP had shut down all the IO towers, right? And now you see all the IO towers start to, you know, each program connecting with their user again, right? Yeah, and then and then as this, I guess, kind of energy starts spreading throughout the the grid you know things because up to this point you know it's pretty sort of colorful sort of but as this energy starts spreading out now all of a sudden everything really starts coming to life and becoming way more colorful and and the vibe that i got evan was like imagine if like new york city had a blackout but then they turned the power back on the way each building would light up that's what it looks like right yeah this whole kind of like the, kind of like the life. Genesis probe or whatever. On. Ooh, let's just keep talking <laughs> Star Trek. I love it. <laughs> We're at the con. But this is the end of the movie where now the whole world's open again. Everybody is free. You got this free verse. And we're done with cyberspace because we find out like Flynn's a hero and Tron defeated. And then that's well, just get real quick. We, we yeah. fin- and we finally get to see the M- MCP. Oh, and he right. was that he was that very very old. He's just sitting there, and he was the, he's this very very old looking character typing on an old uh, typewriter. Yes, but, you know, tick, 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 which tick, is tick, so, tick. so Twilight it, Zone. I love it. Yeah, it was super cool. When I saw that, I was just like, whoa, you know, because he was 
this big thing like not really ancient yeah he was this oh, ancient Evan. feeble little chess program yeah and i'll compare it to wizard of oz again he was just the man behind the curtain dude right that's it nothing yeah. to be afraid of at all yep. <laughs> just given too much power yep but uh we're back into the real world and flynn is um undigitized i don't even know he's, he's back you know yeah and what's really cool is the computer the master control program he was talking to before it was all threatening and now that he's back the master computer program is no more. You can't access it. And this movie, it dates itself because it shows us these giant printers, again, like fax things. Uh, yeah. Very Andromeda strain looking. It prints <laughs> out this paperwork that reveals what he's been searching for the whole time. It's a printout of the fact that um, Flynn wrote these programs and right. Dillinger presented them. Yep. And, and Dillinger. The proof. He goes into his office. I love this part. He sits down like everyday businessman. He, he activates his his amazing looking desktop uh, flat surface. I'm talking. Mm. It's like Windows Surface. Twenty years, four, thirty years before it was a thing. Yeah. And he's touching it, and it's just like, meh, meh. it doesn't work. Yeah. No master control program talks. But he too gets the printout, and that look on his face of ultimate defeat. He knows yeah. that um, it's over for him, man. Yeah. And that was David Warner. Oh, who didn't we just lose him? Just a little while ago. Yeah, uh, David Warner, amazing actor. Everybody yeah. knows who he is, whether uh, it's from his two appearances in Star Trek, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, uh, or the amazing laundry list of sci-fi things he's done. Babylon 5. Are you serious? Yes. Oh. <laughs> he's only, he's only I th- he's just in one episode. It's That's a very, okay. very good episode. Um, and it's just kind of a, he's kind of a one-off character yeah. and uh but yeah he's in he's in that too he, he's his fair share of horror movies too i think yeah. Omen, right well and wasn't he no i always get him confused with another actor <laughs> that oh, i can't remember the name happens. of but he played <laughs> he played twins and they were surgeons and it oh was a, i know who I, you're talking um, about yes oh i'm drawing up uh dead ringers what's dead his name? ringers yeah Oh man, I feel dumb. That is Jeremy something, right? Iron Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. Yes. Yeah, I I always get those two guys anywhere. confused. I don't know why. Mm. Great actors, maybe. Right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Evan, because we're doing uh, out with the old, in with the new, Dillinger is now out. And our last scene of the movie, because earlier we saw Dillinger show up in his helicopter. He's menacing, you know. He's mean to everybody. Well, now we get that same helicopter, but instead Flynn gets out. And he's just like, greetings, programs, you know, and they're all, mm-hmm. uh, the three trio were reunited, and he's boss now, he's getting the credit he deserved, and uh, it ends just showing them walk into Incom, and then it zooms out and shows this whole city light up, and it looks like it, the cyber city it did, and it right. fade to credits, but man, what an experience, and really, this is another movie that I pretty much watched because of you. So your experience, your uh, fascination passed on through me, man. And hopefully through this podcast, we're going to pass it on to more people. I hope so. It's really good. You know, um, I a few years back, three, four, five years ago, I, I was on Twitter and I was asking if there – because there was the rumblings of another Tron movie. And I was asking about it, and Bruce Boxleitner replied. And he, I, I have a screenshot somewhere. 
You better. Because I, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my yes. God. He replied to me. What? It's Tron. He's replying to me. And, uh, and he said he said something like, unfortunately, there, unf- no. Unfortunately, no, there's not going to be another Tron movie. And then he says, end of line. Oh, And that's a big, it. you know, because in yep. Tron, that's a big thing. You know, and, and, and MCP always says that. And, you yeah. know, because he'll, he'll say some. You know, da, it's da, like da, almost da, da, being da, da, da. on walkie-talkies, and you're like, you know, right, ten four, yeah, end yeah. of line, yeah. And so I was like, oh, screenshot, I saved that. But hell yeah, man! I thought well, that was pretty cool. Did you know that um, as of 2025, there is a Tron three in development? Oh, is there? Now I don't know. I mean, it's called Tron three, so I would assume it's connected, right? But yeah, you think. Um, the only person cast in it is Jared Leto. And so really? I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, and I don't want to dig too deep because it might ruin some things about legacy for me. But yeah, hey, if there's a will, there's a way. And the best thing about the generation now is people who grew up with it, who loved it, become filmmakers. And some of them get to continue that. And that's what we're getting. Right. That's the only reason we had legacy, right? Uh, because yeah. there was still a fire burning for it. And I'm very yeah. excited to watch it. And I'm just thankful that science fiction exists. And I love these movies that. I'm getting to experience it the first time. I know you remember your first time with them. I'm getting them. And I'm hoping that uh, listeners out there who maybe don't particularly look for these movies will take our recommendation and try it because Tron is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's a classic science fiction movie. I mean, it's a very, very, I think, very important movie, you know, in the annals of sci-fi yeah, um, John Lasseter, who people will know from his work with Disney and Pixar, basically went on and said, without Tron, there would have been no Toy Story. And I'm like, yeah. I totally get it. Like, yeah. that that's a huge statement, and that means so much. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. Everything's inspired somewhere, but you got to break the ice, and this movie definitely did it. Whether they did it at the box office or home video, it inspired everybody to uh, become their own program. Right, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, Evan, man, I've had a great time talking about it. Let's uh, let's talk about you for a second. You know, you and I have been buddies for a long time now. We're always trying to get together and do some sci-fi episodes. Uh, but we're buddies on Twitter. That's where it all started, and it started because we talked about sci-fi. So if anybody wants to uh, see what you're up to, where can they find you? Yeah, Twitter, um, from the wastes, at from the wastes, um, at last librarian. Um, I'm not on. As I've kind of taken a little hiatus, you know. I don't. I don't get on. Um, yeah, I need some cleansing. Some, there you go. Read some a book. purging. <laughs> <laughs> just the way everything is right now. I just, you know, it's tough to. I, I, my happy place now is just kind of sitting and watching TV and not uh, reading everyone's opinions on. Sure. Every single little thing. <laughs> you don't want to be told what to think by the master control program, Evan? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man, you got to do you. And, hey, if that's uh, kicking back and playing some video games or kicking back and watching some Amazon Prime sci-fi specials, it's all good, yep. man. I also like Tubi. A lot of good sci-fi there. Love Tubi. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole world there, man. But Tron, as we know, is a Disney property. So if yep. you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch it. Otherwise... Dude, just go buy the movie. It's awesome. Yeah. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, man. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for having me. End of line.
And there you have it, Tron, 1982 in all its glory. What'd you guys think? Was this your first time hearing about it? Or is this a movie you've seen so many times you can recite it? Either way, it is a really, really good movie, and I am so excited to watch Tron Legacy, and hopefully I can get Evan back on here and we can do a podcast about Tron Legacy. Probably won't be this month. be really cool if it was, but you can guarantee I'll be watching it very soon. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Check out some of my other episodes. There's definitely more sci-fi in the tank, but if you also like horror, I mentioned there's horror in there. There's some easy-to-digest top five episodes. And uh, also got a Facebook page. You guys can hop over there and check out the All Things Dave podcast page where I really just promote the podcast, but sometimes I post cool pictures, and Julie and I go to the movies a lot, and so when we do, sometimes we put pictures of our experiences there. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Feel free to leave me a review. If you listen to it on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you can leave a review. If you have any recommendations, toss those my way. You can find me on Twitter at Dave underscore Phantom. And so I'll let that be that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, checking out the episode. And you've been listening to the All Things Dave podcast. It's the greatest story in sports. Start dropping straight back, hit as he throws, has the ball, and it's a touchdown. I'm Doug Russell, and this is Tales from 1265, an insider's look at football's most storied franchise, a franchise that has had its dynasties. This is the first Super Bowl trophy, and uh, it's something Green Bay can keep. We're going to have a, a new trophy each year. And its rebirths. Every major football decision will be made by Ron Wolf. I realize I'm a Green Bay Packer now. And- Maybe I can prove that I am worth the first-round pick next year, but just got to be patient. But I was really impressed with the coaching staff, with the whole organization, and with the direction the team is going. I think they, they have a total commitment to winning. Tales from 1265 is presented by Nicolay Law, your local award-winning injury lawyers. If you've been injured, get Nicolay, Wisconsin's winning team of lawyers that will get you back in the game. Tales from 1265 is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 